NZ Baroque, New Zealand's Baroque Instrument Orchestra, is about to reunite after a, a hiatus to put their own spin on famous and lesser-known examples of Baroque classical music of the 17th and early 18th centuries. Graham McPhail is co-artistic director of NZ Baroque and a professor in early music at University of Auckland School of Music. The orchestra members are leading specialists from all over the motu and are coming together to play three concerts alongside eight Baroque singers. First, I ask Graham to define Baroque music. Yes, well, it's usually the period of music history between 1600 and 1750, so that's quite, quite defined for you, isn't it, I think? Um, so it's a big historical period, but within that time, there's quite a variance in in the stylistic approaches. So we find in the early Baroque period, around 1700 or before, certain sorts of styles predominate. And then we get to what we call the high Baroque, which is what most people associate with Baroque music, which is probably Vivaldi, like the Four Seasons, pieces by Bach, like the Brandenburg Concertos, and music by Handel such as the Messiah and so on. So they're the big guns, but there are many, many, many others stretching 150 years. So that's the period, 1600 to 1750. When you mention you know, music like that, it kind of answers my next question, which is why you love it so much. I mean, you, you teach it, you're involved in the, in the orchestra. I mean, this is a, a passion for you, this music. Yes, I think it goes back a long way. I remember being asked when I auditioned for university last century sometime, I played some Baroque music to the teacher who was auditioning me and he said, why do you like this music? And I think I remember saying, because I understand its logic and its balance. And I think that's something that's always attracted me to it. Uh, knowing a bit more about it now, I think it's it's a sort of musical version of thinking. It's like this, the inner psychological workings, but in a musical form. And I really, really like that. There's always a sort of containment to the music, whereas later music gets much more lengthy, if you like, and and harder to pin down. I, I, I sort of like the the neat and tidiness, in a way, <laughs> of Brock music, although it can be very surprising all the time as well. Can you, dare you, mess with it? Well, actually, part of what we do in a, in a historically informed approach is look well beyond the score, because, well, 20th century, 21st century scores are, are very, very different from the sorts of scores that Bach and Handel left behind. They didn't write much of it down. We, lo- we, we like to compare it with jazz notation that's used now. I mean, I don't know if you know much about jazz, but when you get a, a lead sheet in jazz, it shows you the main tune, what the chord structure will be, gives you a guide, and it's pretty much the same with Baroque music. A lot of what was expected was not written in the score. We often call it playing what's not on the page. And so we've done a lot of research into finding out, well, what those hidden instructions might be. And we believe we're coming close to the sorts of uh, conventions and stylistic ways of playing that composers of that period would recognise if they happened to pop back today and listen. But I think a lot of the things we're trying to recreate... Uh, We've had to find through evidence, through reading old instruction manuals and trying out the old instruments themselves. So we're at a disadvantage, of course, because we're a long way from that period. But one thing we do know was that the music was supposed to be 
a sort of a drama and unfolding like a speech and it was supposed to move the audience to pretty much experience the passions they called them or the affects that were inherent in the music and there are some quite really funny descriptions actually we find them funny now but quite serious at the time of how the audience would you know would be moved from misery and sorrow and then picked up and suddenly moved to the heights of ecstasy you know and all this sort of thing so there was a real belief in the power of music to change the emotions and i think that's that's also what we're trying to do is to find out what those emotions are within the music itself now nz baroque brings together baroque specialists from all over New Zealand, that feels logistically like it's quite mm-hmm. something. But what's, what's the history? I, I talked about the history of the music. What is the history of NZ Baroque? Well, the history is really a bunch of Kiwis that went to study in the Netherlands beginning in the, in the 1980s. There's been this weird relationship between the Netherlands as a sort of early music centre and a lot of Kiwis who were interested in, in early music went to study there. I went there in the 80s. Um, a lot of the players in NZ Baroque also studied there, some of them a bit later. Quite a few of them are younger than me, so they've been subsequently, even this century. So we have this relationship with the style that was developed in the early music revival in Belgium and Holland, which is quite different from the American style and the and the English style. And We've cultivated that style here. We've taken, we've made that Dutch connection clear by taking the name NZ Baroque, Baroque spelt B-A-R-O-K, which is the Dutch spelling. So that's a sort of a, like a, an allusion to that history that a lot of us have in the orchestra. Tell me about the instruments with these musicians. Do any of them have instruments from the period? Yes. We have a mixture of period instruments, like my violin was made in 1750, that's the year Bach died, so uh, that's getting old now. But a number of people have modern copies of Baroque instruments. Uh, most instruments since since around that time, say near the end of the Baroque period, undertook a period of change, and they gradually took the shape that we now see as what we call a modern violin. Basically the shape's the same, but the strings are different, the bridge is a little lower, the f- angle of the fingerboard is different, and the bow is different. So all those particular features give the instrument quite a different sound than it has in modern day. What then are the range of instruments that NZ Baroque brings to the stage? Well, we're primarily a string ensemble. That's what we were formed to do, to explore the wonderful string repertoire. And initially, we really only had string players, and we're still, that's really the core of what we do. Occasionally, we play with woodwind and brass players when we can and when they're available. They seem to be less thick on the ground than string players for some reason. So we're primarily a string orchestra. But what we did in our last concert last year in May, and we're repeating the formula again this year in our upcoming concert, is to do half the concert with a smallish group of singers, which is quite exciting for us. It means we're adding another dimension of of Baroque repertoire to that that we normally perform. We mentioned before your research and how you've done your research into approaches to the music. So I know in your repertoire you'll have some of those great classical works that we, we love and know. But what about some of the the scores that you and the others have, have come across that perhaps haven't been as well known? I imagine that's quite satisfying to bring them to the stage. It is. And we've been performing together now since 2004. So in a lot of those concerts we have explored repertoire that 
is far less familiar to audiences, lots of lesser-known Baroque composers, and there are wonderful pieces, all sorts of pieces out there. The French repertoire, for instance, is less known. I remember we did a piece by a, a guy called Rebel, called The Elements, which opens with all 12 tones of the, of the scale being played at once, like a total cacophony. So there are all sorts of amazing pieces out there that we've explored uh, over the years. But in this concert, two big names that I think most people would be very familiar with, good old Bach and Handel. <laughs> Can't go wrong. When it is a, a smallish, if it is a smallish group, it, what's, that, yeah. what's that relationship like between the musicians? Well, there are 14 of us usually in the core band, and we don't play with a conductor, so we're sort of directed from whoever's playing first violin. That, that alternates between me and the other co-artistic director, Miranda Hutton. We share the concerts around. So it's it's very much like chamber music. In fact, our rehearsals can be quite painful at times because there is so much discussion and often quite a lot of dissent. And quite often the job of the artistic director is just saying, OK, guys, enough on this now. I'm making a decision. On we go. But that's the most wonderful thing about the music making. In fact, some of us have been even heard to say we prefer rehearsals to concerts <laughs> because they're, in a way they're much more adventurous times and quite interesting for us to try different things. You mentioned May, you had a concert last year. Um, yeah. We know what's happened, you know, over the last 16 or so months. What impact has that had on the orchestra? How have you managed to, to keep it together? I imagine it's a little bit like riding a bike because you know each other so well, but that's still, you know, a long time between concerts. It, it is. And so, uh, you know, we had to cancel a lot of concerts and we haven't played uh, together, as we've just said, since May. But what we have been doing is having, uh, for the Auckland people, we've been having regular what I just call drop-ins or play-ins where um, on one night of the week a number of us get together and we're just keeping some informal playing going in that way. This may be opening a can of worms, Graham, but while I have you I simply had to ask you about the secondary school music education curriculum because this is something else you're very involved with. Yes. Uh, and for, <laughs> well, I think for as long as Stanley Ramone's been around, which is about you know 20, more than 20 years now, yeah. we have lamented... Uh, the downgrading of the humanities, well, not only universities, also in the school curricula. What are your thoughts on where we are at at the moment with our music education? It's very interesting because it's very varied. The truth is some schools have extraordinarily wonderful music programs and some schools have virtually nothing. And that doesn't seem to me to be a, a just or a equitable situation. So for some strange reason, as you suggested, the arts tend to get left out. I mean, we can't imagine a school deciding they, they wouldn't teach English or they wouldn't teach maths. And those of us on this side of the fence, of course, think that the arts are just as vital to human development as, as those other things, and they should be in the curriculum. So we have this rather sad situation where music is mandated by the national curriculum, but it isn't enforced. And I think it's even worse at primary school at the moment. I think we're in a a very dangerous, a pessimistic spot as far as primary school music goes overall because we've stopped training specialist teachers. So it's only an accident if there happens to be a, a teacher with the right skills in the right place in the right school. But having said all that, there are wonderful pockets of things going on. You, you only have to go to the Big Sing or Rock Quest or the KBB Festival in Auckland to see extraordinary things going on. But it, it doesn't appear to be for everybody. And so I think that's 
one of the things that a government would need to work on to say, hold on a minute, why aren't these wonderful opportunities available to all our students rather than only some students in some schools? Is anyone out there listening to you, Graham? I doubt it. <laughs> uh, well, I think there are people in the ministry that are aware of these problems, but we have such a devolved educational system now that it's up to schools, in a way, to decide how they interpret the curriculum, what they teach, what they don't teach. Um, and while we're still on that road of devolution, people are somewhat resistant to being told, I guess, that they, they must teach this or they must teach that. So at the moment it's really up to the principal of a school and the board of a school about whether they value the arts or not. And so it's a bit of a lottery, I'm afraid. Professor Graham MacPhail, NZ Barock's Court to Cathedral concert, takes place at St Luke's Church in Remuera in Tamaki Makoro for three nights starting on Friday.